you, but I would encourage you to open up a Bible to John chapter 8. John chapter 8 today, and we've been working through the book of John chapter by chapter, and um, we're now in John chapter 8, verses 12 through 19. When I was in, uh, I guess, middle school, probably 12, 13 years old or whatever, a bunch of us kids in the neighborhood would play um, this, this, out, this outdoor nighttime game called Flashlight Tag. And what it was, was it was kind of like hide and seek. And, and, and you had a bunch of kids who would go hide, and then the seeker had a flashlight. So you're playing this at night. So I'm running through a backyard of a yard, not my parents' yard, just somebody else's yard. So I was not familiar with the backyard. So I'm running at a full sprint through this backyard. And do you know what does not show up at night in a backyard? A clothesline. Yeah, you all know where that story's going real quick, don't you? So I'm at a full sprint, and I'm trucking. Next thing I'm, whoosh, I hit that clothesline that I could not see in the darkness, and it flipped me upside down, and I'm laying on the ground out of breath because it knocked the wind out of me. I thought I was going to die. But how many of you know trying to do things in the dark is no fun? I mean, how many of you, show of hands, how many of you have ever busted a knee or a toe walking to the bathroom in the dark? And how many of you decided I'm putting a nightlight in? You're 52 years old and you're walking by a nightlight. <laughs> Nightlights are not for children, okay? You know, I mean, trying to do things, navigate, whatever it is, walking downstairs. You ever try to walk downstairs in the, in the dark? No, because you know that's not going to end well, okay? No matter what you're trying to do in the dark, it is hard, it's difficult, and when you're in the dark... What is the one thing that you want and need more than anything? Light. When you're in the dark, you, you, you could be starving, but you need light. When you're in the dark, $100 isn't going to do you much good. You need light. And, and no matter how dark it is, the littlest light pierces the dark. You, you can be in the darkest room and you could be in a room that is so unfamiliar. You could be in a hotel room. You could be in a house of a friend. And you're in a room that you have no idea. And there's furniture everywhere. But if there's a little nightlight, you can navigate that room. You can be in the darkest forest and lost in the darkest forest. But if you see a light in the horizon, you navigate to the light. And that light will help you get out of the forest. It doesn't matter how dark it is. The smallest light shines and pierces and illuminates the darkness. That's what we're looking at today from John chapter 8, 12 through 19, is Jesus is, is talking about light and darkness. And, and, and we're going to take a look at this. And I want to take a look at five or four ways how Jesus' light shines in the darkness. And so here's the first one. And again, I encourage you to take notes. You've got an outline, notebook, whatever it is, but take some notes. Here's the first thing about the light of Christ. The light of Christ shines and overcomes the darkness of the world. The light of Christ shines and overcomes the darkness of the world. So starting in verse 12, it says, again, Jesus spoke to them. Now let's get some context here. Who is the them? 
Now remember, in chapter 7, as we have been in the past few weeks, chapter 7, Jesus was in Jerusalem for a feast the Jews were celebrating called the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacles. It was an eight-day feast where the Jews gathered in Jerusalem to celebrate and commemorate and to remember what Moses and their ancestors did in, in the wilderness. They, they slept in tents. They, they, they navigated the wilderness, and at night they would sleep in these tents. And so the, the Feast of Booths, the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Tents, was to remember that. And so for eight days, these people had been celebrating this. Well, it tells us in chapter 7, verse 14, that about midway through the feast, so probably three or four days into it, somewhere around there probably, Jesus begins, he goes to the, the feast, and he starts to teach in the temple. And so throughout the, through the, for the, the, the last three, four days of the feast, Jesus would be teaching in the temple. Well, chapter 8 is actually one day past the eight days. Because in, in verse 2, it says, in, in chapter 7, it actually tells us, like in verse 36, it says, on the last great day of the feast, Jesus taught again in the temple. Chapter 8, verse 2, it says, and the next day, Jesus once again went to the temple early in the morning, and he began to teach the people. So now he's one day out of the feast, all right? That's the context here. And so the them is one day after the feast, and this is where I want to say thank you to Dusty for preaching last week. I thought he brought a great word on the woman who was, gonna, you know, who was caught in adultery. That was happening. Jesus shows up on the first day after the feast. He's teaching the temple, and here are these Pharisees, these religious leaders show up with this woman who was caught in adultery, and they're trying to trap Jesus, and they're testing him and all this stuff, and he, he has to go through all that, Okay. When that is all said and done and, and, and the Pharisees and the religious leaders end up leaving, the crowd is still there, okay? Because they didn't leave with the Pharisees, but could you imagine what these people were thinking during that? Because we only, in, in that account, it's Jesus and the Pharisees. But Je Jesus was with a crowd of people. They would have been like, what just happened? Okay? So the Pharisees leave, but the them is still the crowd, with some Pharisees still in the crowd. And so Jesus, he, he was teaching, it gets interrupted, goes back to teaching. And he's teaching the crowd. Well, the first thing he decides to say to this crowd is there in verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So he makes this powerful declaration about himself. I am the light of the world. Now, he's not just saying that because it was like some random thing he wanted to say. This also refers back to the Feast of Booths because during those eight days at night, um, lamps were lit in the temple square, in the, in the temple area, in the outer courts, and those lamps would have illuminated the, the, the temple complex and just like the tents, the, the, the celebration of the, the Feast of Tents reminded them of what happened in the desert, the lighting of the lamps was also a time of remembrance. It helped the people in Jesus' time remember, whoa, back in Moses' time, God led our people at night, how? Pillar of fire. 
And a pillar of fire was what? Light. And so a pillar of fire led Moses and the Israelites in the desert, but it was also these lamps reminded them our Savior is coming, who's going to be the light of the nation. And so these lamps in the, in the temple during Jesus' time was a time to remember back and a time to look forward. And so Jesus makes a declaration. I'm that light. I'm the light of the world. And these Jews would have been like, time out, especially the Pharisees. They're like, oh, here we go again. This guy's making himself to be something that he's not. Because Jesus is making a declaration. I'm the Messiah. I'm your Savior. I'm your light. And he makes this declaration, I am the light of the world. But we got to start now breaking this down. What does he mean when he says, I am the light of the world? First, we need to define what the word world means, okay? Biblically, the word world has three different um, definitions. One is the earth, okay? Um, the planet. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about the two other definitions of the word biblically, the biblical word world. One is the world as a system. It, it, it's the beliefs, the teachings. It, it's the darkness of the world. That's one meaning of it. The other meaning is people. It's the same when, when Jesus says in John chapter 3, he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, the world represents people. And so in this context of world, we're going to see Jesus referencing that he is the light of the world, meaning I am the light against the system of the world, and I'm the light for the people of the world. And in, the first, in this first point, I want to talk about the system. And my second point, I want to, it's going to be about the people. So in this first context, in this first point, when Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, he's referring to the fact that he's the light of the world's system. And, when, and, and the world system is the cultural beliefs, the cultural thinking, the cultural ideas. It's the darkness within the world. That's where he's penetrating here. He's like, I'm the light that's going to pierce the darkness in this world. The darkness is, it's the darkness of sin, the darkness of falsehood. The darkness of deception, the darkness of death and despair and hopelessness and sorrow and pain. It's the darkness that the world is all about. It's the darkness that John writes in 1 John chapter 2. It's the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. It's, it's the darkness that Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2 when he, he talks about that you follow the, the ways of the world, you, you follow and, and you go after the desires of the flesh, the desires of the mind, the desires of the body. He's like, this, this is the darkness. It's the darkness you and I see every night on the news. That's the darkness. That's the system. That's the world. All right? It's the darkness of it's the darkness that, that causes a 
a husband or a wife to have an affair. It's the darkness that causes a young teenage girl to have an eating disorder because she doesn't think she's pretty enough. She doesn't think she compares to this model or this person. It's the darkness that, that causes people to believe if I could just have more money, if I could just have more things, if I could just have a better position at work, if I could just have more power, I will be truly happy. It's the darkness that causes someone to go into a school and shoot elementary children. That's the darkness of the world. And we are in this darkness. And people are walking in this darkness. And Jesus is comparing this. If you look at the verse again, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. He's connecting the two. The world and the darkness connect. They are connected by a string. You don't have the world without darkness. And when you have darkness, it's in the world. They are hand in hand connected. You can't separate them. The world and its system is dark. And we all walk in it. We all live in this thing. And Jesus is making a declaration. I am the light for this world. He, he's making this declaration that says, hey, do you all want to know the way out of this thing? I can tell you the way. Here's the way. I am the way. I am the light in this world, I am the light out of this world. I am the light out of this darkness. I am the light that, that, that I will help you walk through this. You don't have to walk in darkness. I'm the light. I am the light that penetrates the darkness, pierces the darkness, shines into this darkness. He's like, I am the way out of the darkness. And look at what he says. He says, you don't have to walk in darkness, but you will have the light of life. Who would like to take a pop quiz this morning? Not you. You've already answered this. I, I gave this, this quiz to Paula earlier. She passed it with flying colors. I want to see how many of you are that bright this morning. Who wants to take a pop quiz? Devon, you look like it. You're shaking your head. Like, bring it, man. All right. In chapters um, 4 and 7, Jesus refers to himself as um, water. In chapter um, 7... He refers to himself as, or in chapters four, he refers to himself as food. In chapter seven, he refers to himself as water. Now he refers to himself as light. What do all three of those have in common? Things you need for what? To live. Very good. Y'all are, are the cheaters, man. It's what you need. He wasn't going to get it if you guys weren't cheating. He, I stumped him, man. I know I was. All three of those, food, water, and light. And Jesus says, I'm all three of them. Sustain life. You can't live without food. You can't live without water. And you cannot live without light. You need all three. And Jesus is saying, if you want to get out of the darkness and have life, I am the way. I am the light. Jesus is saying, 
I am the light that will give you life. So he, it, it's kind of like twofold. He wants, he's the light for the world to get us out of the darkness in the here and now. All right? He wants to be light in our life. So that way, as you and I are navigating through life every single day, and we are bombarded with so much darkness, how many of you know um, you need to have a light to be able to distinguish what is right, what is wrong? Which way, what, what do I choose? What do I not choose? How do I live? How do I function? What's the best thing I need right now? And the way that happens is you have light. And Jesus is like, I am the light for the here and now. But even more importantly, he's like, I am the light that will give you life for eternity. Because here's the real, re- the, the real reality, and I talked on this a few weeks ago. There are people who are living in darkness now. And the sad reality is they will go from this darkness to eternal darkness, separated from God. You see, the reality of hell is is that it's eternal darkness. And the reason it's eternal darkness is because the source of light, which is Christ, is not there. A couple weeks ago when I said that, and and Jesus repeats himself here coming up, um, he says, I'm going somewhere, and you're not going to find me. And you'll search for me, and you won't find me. And I said that there will be people in hell who will have the realization Jesus is not here. And they will search for him and will not find him. Because hell is a place where Jesus is not present. And when he, if he is not present there, his light is not there. And hell is everlasting gloom. And it's, as, as the Bible says, it's the gnawing of teeth and the gnashing of teeth, the gnawing of the tongue. Why? Because people, just like, you know, put yourself in a very dark room. Do you just walk through a dark room like this? Or do you walk through a dark room like, I I can't find my way. People will be in hell with no light. And Jesus is like, I want you out of the darkness. I am the light to get you out of the darkness. I am the light of life. He's the light of life. And he wants everybody to be able to experience that light. Jesus is the light that shines and overcomes the darkness of the world. But here's the second thing. The second thing about the light of Christ is this, is that the light of Christ shines upon everyone but must be accepted. The light of Christ shines upon everyone but it must be accepted. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He does not say, I am a light. He does not say, I am the light for Jerusalem. He doesn't say, I'm the light for Israel. He says, I am the light for the world. And that would have been shocking to these Jews because in in their mind, the Messiah was only for them, not the Gentiles, not the heathen Greeks. 
not those Romans. It's for us. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Um, I'm going to be the, the light, the Messiah, the Savior. Yeah, for you, but for everybody else too. I'm going to make it available for everybody. And in this context, now the world is referring to people. Because if you look at it, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever, so he's talking about people here now. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Whoever. This light is for whoever. But there's a condition. Do you see the condition in the text? Follow me. The condition sets forth who gets the light. The light is available for everybody. The light is available for the entire world. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what, what sex you are. It doesn't matter what race you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how good you are, how bad you are. The light is for everyone. But there is a condition. Whoever follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So the question is, is what does it mean to follow then? If you have to follow, if that's the condition, then we better figure out what does it mean to follow. To follow means this. In the Greek, it means to believe on him, to trust him, to come to him in repentance, to turn to him and commit your life to him. That's what it means to follow, okay? It, 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 it's me coming to Jesus to be my savior. It's coming to Jesus to acknowledge I'm living in darkness. It's coming to Jesus and realizing my life is, is full of sin. I'm walking in the darkness of my sin and, 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 and I'm going to be separated from him and I, I need a savior. So coming to Jesus, following him is saying, Jesus, you're my leader. I give you my life and where you go, I want to go. That's following Jesus. And Jesus says, if you follow me, if you choose me, you will have the light. But yet people reject the light. Imagine it this way. Imagine you are in a warehouse, four stories tall. This thing is massive, huge, all right? You're on the fourth floor of this, of, of this warehouse and you're in this warehouse all by yourself. There are no windows on this, this warehouse. And it is pitch black. You don't have a fire. You, have, you don't have a lighter. You don't have your phone. You don't have a flashlight. You have nothing to produce light. And it is utterly dark in this room. You can't see your hand in front of your face. You can't see all the furniture, all the, everything that's, that's in, on the floor. You can't see the walls that, that are there. You can't see the doors. And the only information you have is there's only one stairway that will take you from the fourth floor to the third, from the third to the second, from the second to the first, out the door to get out. But there's multiple stairways that have no stairs. So you're in this pitch black warehouse on the fourth floor and you can't see anything and all you can do is move so slow because about the time you walk you hit something 
And you keep trying to maneuver your feeling stuff. And, and you're thinking, oh, I think I know the way. And I think I'm, and then you, you hit a wall. And then you find a doorway. You're like, okay, here, here's a doorway. And you start to, there's nothing there. So you back out again. After about two days of not getting off the fourth floor because it's so dark, you can't get your way through. You can't find the right stairway. I come into the building, and I make my way up that quick because I have a flashlight. I'm able to find the right stairway, and I make my way up to the fourth floor, and I'm like, hey, but I turn my light off. I find you, and I go... Do you want to get out of the darkness? Yes, I do. I've been in here for I don't know how long, and I can't get out of this place. I, I can't find... Relax, relax. I've got a flashlight. If you'll follow me, I know where to go. I know the one stairway to get you out of here. I know the one stairway that will get you out of the darkness and get you into the light. Just follow me. But you make this decision. Nope. Don't need it. I'm doing fine by myself. I can get myself out of this. I, I'll find my way out, and, and, and I can get my way. I'll get my own way out of the darkness. That may sound silly, but people do that with spiritual darkness every single day. Because the darkness Jesus is talking about is not physical darkness. He's talking about spiritual darkness. And people are lost all the time everywhere in spiritual darkness. They are lost in the darkness of the world. And Jesus has made the declaration, I am the light. I'm the light out of this darkness. If you want out of this darkness, all you have to do is follow me. And I'll lead you out of the darkness. And I'll lead you into the light. And I'll give you the light of life. But yet people every single day Nope. I don't need it. I don't want to follow Jesus. I can get out of the spiritual darkness myself. I can get my way into spiritual light myself. And that's the deception of the world. That's the deception so many people are, are hearing is that you can get yourself out of the darkness. But the truth is, that's a lie. You cannot. Get yourself out of the spiritual darkness and move into spiritual light. The book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6 says this. It says, the God of this age, who is the devil, Satan, every demonic activity. It says, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they, they, they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ. You see, the minds of unbelievers are blinded, spiritual darkness. They can't see the light of the gospel, spiritual darkness. And there are so many people who don't know Christ as Savior, and they are blinded, living in spiritual darkness. The heart is blinded to truth, the mind blinded to truth, and people live every single day in the, the, the darkness of the world thinking, I'm okay. When in reality, they are living in spiritual blindness, spiritual darkness. But Paul goes on to say 
that they cannot see the gospel that, that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves. Paul's like, I don't preach about myself. I'm not going to teach you how you and I can get ourselves out of this mess. He goes, but I preach Jesus as Lord. For God made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Paul's like, hey, do you want to know where the light comes from? It comes from the glory of Christ shining in my heart. And when the glory of Christ, his light is shining in me, guess what happens? Now I see. Now I realize I've been in the dark. I've been lost. I've been, like, I've been going through life thinking I'm doing okay, and I haven't been. It's only through Christ it's only through what he can do in his light that we come out of this darkness. The light of Christ shines into our hearts. The light of Christ is what shows us you are lost. The light of Christ penetrates the darkness and reveals to you and me you're in the dark. You're living in darkness, but you don't have to. Jesus reveals our need for a Savior. He came to this world not to just be another religious figure. He came to this world not to just start another religion. He came to this world to be the light of the world, to be the bread for people, to be the water for people, to be the, the, the light for people, so you and I could have life. And I'm telling you today, if you do not know Jesus as your Savior, if you haven't come to that place where you have put your faith in him alone, where you have said, I am a sinner, I am in darkness, because that's the reality. The Bible tells us we're all sinners. We all are living in darkness. And if you have not come to that place where you've said, Jesus, forgive me, Jesus, I accept you. Jesus, I receive you. Come into my life. If you haven't done that, you are not following Jesus. And you are still walking in darkness. And you will experience darkness now and forever. And Jesus is like, I've got the flashlight. Let me get you off of this fourth story and let me bring you into the light. But you have to, got to be the one to accept it. So, the light of Christ, it shines to overcome the darkness of the world. It shines upon everyone, but it must be accepted. Here's the third thing. The light of Christ shines through the truth of his word. The light of Christ shines through the truth of his word. So after Jesus makes this declaration about being the light of the world and whoever follows him will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life, look at verse 13. So the Pharisees said, now... The Pharisees, there were probably some Pharisees left over from the group that walked away. There, there's still some Pharisees in this crowd. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they're the ones who said this to him. He says, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. What Jesus is saying about himself, he's, Jesus is saying some things, and they're basically saying what you're saying, the words coming out of your mouth, is not true. When Jesus makes this declaration about being the light, 
of the world, and whoever follows him will not walk in darkness, but walk in the light of life. At that moment, the people listening to him had a decision to make, didn't they? They could do one of two things, believe or not. That's it. They either believed what he was saying was true. Yep, you are, because I've seen you do some weird stuff, man. And the things you've been doing, nah, not. my Uncle Bob's not doing that. So obviously, you are who you say you are. Or, no, you're not. I don't care what you're doing. You are not who you say you are. That's the Pharisees. They did not believe his word. They did not believe what he was saying. And they flat out said, you are untrue. Now look what Jesus has to say in response to that. In verse 14, Jesus answers, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even I do not judge my judgment. Even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I am the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am, I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. Now, there's a lot of stuff there. What is he talking about? It seems like he just kind of went off on a rant here. The reality is, even though it seems like he's, he, he like lost, went off base, he really has come back around. Because basically what he's saying, he's like, listen, yep, the law does say that there's got to be two testimonies, you know, two witnesses to make any testimony true. But here's the reality, guys. He's like, you, you're, you can't get past the fact that I'm from Nazareth. He's like, oh, he's like you, you think you know where I'm from, but you don't. You don't know where I'm going because you judge just on mere appearances. And the only thing that you can see is me as a man. You cannot, you're, you're not able to look past who I am outwardly and to the reality of who I truly am. He's like, I'm the Messiah. I am the Savior of this world. I am the light. And you're not seeing it. You're not willing to believe it. And he challenged them. He's like, my testimony is true because of who I really am. And the reality is if these Pharisees could have, if they would have judged correctly, meaning if they would have judged him not on the fact that he lived in Nazareth, not the fact that Joseph was his dad, Mary was his mom, not the fact that he had five brother, you know, other brothers and sisters, if they could have moved past that and said, he's healed people, he fed masses of people with a few fish and a couple of loaves of bread. Look what his teaching is unbelievable. I mean, I don't even know this stuff that he's saying. How can a normal man be able to do that? They couldn't do it. And they would not believe what he was saying. They would not believe his word. And they said it's untrue. Now, I, I thought about that, and I'm like, I could have left that point right there and, and be done with it, but you and I'd be like walking out here going, what does that have to do with me? That's, that's with them. Let's go back to the word of God, the words of Christ, okay? This thing right here. You and I, you have a decision to make about this. 
And your decision is one of two things. Either it is true or it is not. That's it. There is no middle ground. Either you believe this to be the very word of God, to be the words of Christ, or you don't. And can I tell you, we're in trouble as a church. Not as this, like, church, church here. The church is in trouble. Because a lot of people don't. Let me read you some statistics. Paula found these, and, and, um, and I, I was like, wow. We know, the Bible, for us as a believer, has got to be the foundation for everything we believe. Okay, it's the springboard into everything. Without the Bible, you and I are just believing in whatever comes down the pipe. So the Bible becomes the springboard. It's the foundation. It's the central thing that's got to be, this is what I believe about this, because that's what the Bible says. So 58%, okay, so these statistics come from a 2022 survey it's a Legionnaire Ministry State of Theology survey by Lifeway Research. And a couple of these statistics are also from Barna Research Group. And what they found is that 58% of evangelical Christians, people who say, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross for my sin, he, it's only in faith, evangelical Christians, okay? 58% of evangelical Christians believe God accepts worship from all religions. 58%. That's almost half, over half, a little over half, except, say, all religions are right. Christianity, Muslim, Hindu, it doesn't matter. All religions are right, and God accepts all religions. God accepts all worship from all religions, more than half of evangelical Christians. 44% say that Jesus was not God, but just a great teacher. Almost half of people who say, I'm a Christian, say Jesus was not God. 55% agree that everyone sins a little, but by nature, we are good and we don't need a Savior. 55% who say, I'm a Christian. We don't need a Savior. 26%... And this is, you you may think, well, that's a low number. 26% believe that the Bible is not literally true. It's a low number, but let me put it to you this way, like that. One in four Christians. So if I were to count one, two, three, four, one of you does not believe the Bible to be literally true. One, two, three, four. One of you do not believe the Bible to be literally true. One in four believers, four Christians, say the Bible is not literally true. Twenty-nine percent, again, twenty-nine percent believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God and has no errors. Twenty-nine percent. So that means 70% of believers say, yeah, it's inspired, but the Bible has errors in it. Those are staggering statistics. A couple of weeks ago, Paula was talking to a Christian woman, and she said that 
She goes, that she said that you cannot trust a pastor or a church that preaches word-for-word messages. Guess what I do every, when, every week? I preach word-for-word. So this woman was saying, putting me in there, you cannot trust me or this church because we preach word-for-word messages. That is a mindset of many believers. We are living in a time, I'm telling you, the culture, the voice of the culture, the voice of the world is shouting loudly, okay? It is shouting loudly in regards to things like um, marriage, sex, gender, abortion, politics, money. The culture shouts in its beliefs about religion, spirituality, God, Jesus, heaven, and hell. The voice of the culture is shouting very, very loud. You see, this is why we need to listen to like Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. It says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Psalm chapter 119, verse 105 says, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light to my path. The word has got to be the light to us as a believer. The word of God has got to be the light as you and I walk through this culture. And the culture is shouting. And I'm telling you, the culture is seeping into the church. I'm not, no, it's not even just seeping. It is pouring into the church. That's why in Bloomington, there is a church with a transsexual pastor. And they have actually transgender Sundays. That's in Bloomington, Illinois. That would be something you would hear like, well, that's in New York. That's in L.A. No, that's in Bloomington, 90 miles from here. The culture is, is shouting loud. It's, it's pouring into the church. And Christians are not here. They're not being navigated by the light of the word. We are walking in the darkness of the world, and we are agreeing with the culture. The church is saying, yep, the culture's right. The culture is hitting this on the nail head. And we are becoming like the culture. Loved ones, if you don't like word-for-word -word preaching, you better go find a church that doesn't do it then, because I will not stop doing this. We are going to preach God's word because I believe it is the light. It is the light onto our path. It's got to be the light that we... Now, and I say this a lot. Are you going to be perfect? No. The Bible makes it very clear. We're still all sinners. And if we say we don't have sin, we're only deceiving ourselves. We are still wrapped in flesh. We still have the desires of the flesh. And thank be to God, his grace abounds when sin abounds. It, it abounds so much more. And he does forgive us of our sin. But the reality is God's word has got to be that light that helps us go, is this the way I should go? Is this what I should believe? Or is this what I should, what I should believe? And is this the way I should go? What do I do about money? How should I think about money? How should I think about, you know, um, gay marriage? What should I think about, you know, the things going on in our culture? I don't know. But I better find out what the word has to say about it. And I'm telling you, gang, word 
the Bible is not flying in the face to, uh, of people today. I just found out um, the other day, um, or yesterday, Pastor John MacArthur was, his, his messages are on YouTube, and, and YouTube has deemed him as hate speech because he's, he has made the declaration, there's only two genders. But he's now hate speech. You see, the world is trying to tell the church and tell us that this is wrong. And I'm telling you, gang, you've got to be able to stand up and say, I believe. I believe in the words of Christ. And I believe his word is truth. And I'm going to follow it because it is a light. And I'm going to let this light lead and guide me through the darkness of the world. And then lastly, the light of Christ shines so I can have a close relationship with God. The light of Christ shines so you can have a close relationship with God. And so, again, Jesus says in, in, in verse 18, he says, I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. And in verse 19, they said, they said to him, where is your father? And Jesus answered, you know neither me nor the father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. You see, when they say, where's your father? They're talking about a physical father. But he's like, again, you're, you're not getting it. That word know, it, it, it means to have a closeness, a, a, to be an acquaintance with. It's an, intimate, it's an intimate word. And so Jesus is like, if you knew the father, the heavenly father, if you had a real relationship with him, if you, had, if you were close to him, you would know me. He goes, you would know I am the Messiah. But he's like, I am the Messiah in your midst. And you don't see it. He goes, you don't see it because you don't know the Father. And he's basically saying, if you knew the Father, you would know me. And if you knew me, you would know the Father. You see, Jesus' light shines on us so we would have a close relationship with God. Jesus is going to make this very, very clear in John 14 when we get there. He, 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 just points, he just makes it clear. I am the way. I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, it's through Christ that we have this relationship with God. It's through Christ that you and I are made right with God. It's through Christ that the light of Christ shines in our, the, the darkness of our heart. We come to know Christ, and when that happens, we realize, holy cow, now I have this relationship with God. Apart from Christ, no relationship with God. Apart from Christ, eternal separation from God. With Christ, relationship with God. With Christ, relationship made new. With Christ, now a friend with God. Those are the two camps. Either without God or with God because of Christ. Jesus shines in our life so you can have that relationship with God. And today, again, if you're not following Jesus... If you have never made a decision, Jesus, come into my life. Be my savior. I need you. You do not know the Father, and you do not have a relationship with God the Father. But if you will come to know Christ as your savior, and that light shines in you, you will have a pers close, personal, close relationship, and God becomes your heavenly Father. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you.
and praise you this morning. And Father, I just want to pray that if there would be anyone in here who does not know you as their heavenly Father, if, if there would be anyone in here who has never made the decision to follow Christ, help them to see that they are still in the darkness. Help them to see, Lord, that they need the light of Christ. And I just pray, God, that today your spirit, your word has penetrated the darkness in here and help us to see that light and help people who don't know that light. And so, Jesus, we thank you that you came to save us and give us the light of life. And we praise you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand and close.